In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are all graced with the presence of a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him wherever he goes. My dear friend, the lovely Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. And for those of you that have been listening for a few weeks now, I hope that I have maintained your confidence in that uh, statement. And those of you that are new listening to us, everything Michael said was true. This is episode six in season one, The Politics of Party. So we have a few topics on deck today, um, but it's all going to be around politics and, and, and our political parties. Oh, what a mess. We'll talk a little bit about the history of it. We're going to go through the current state. And I think what's ultimately the most important part is where are we going from here? Um, what can we do about this situation? So with that, um, let's talk a little bit about the history of political parties. Um, of course, beginning with one of our favorite beginnings, the founding and the founders mm-hmm. of the nation. Like when this thing was all put together, what were their worries? What were their concerns? Because uh, they were they were particularly keen and aware of the pitfalls of political organizations. And I would say even they're concerned because there really wasn't any political parties until much later. Their concern, would you agree, was really groupthink, however it would manifest itself. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one. Like, so I, what I tell people to look at uh, right now is, um, uh, for better or worse, Hamilton as a, as a show, um, it's more than just music. It's more than just dancing and, and a cool storyline. Uh, those of you who watch it again and uh, watch it again, try to look at the political struggle that was going on. So um, they actually tell you within that show that um, the fractioning started happening later uh, because they couldn't figure out how the government should be structured. So as the presidency came into play and the struggle between the North and the South uh, became clear and basically with slave owners versus non-slave owners, um, that fractioning started to happen in the cabinet and throughout the system. And so uh, eventually I think it, it became the, rep- they, I think at one point even in the play, we're going to have to look at it, um, they sing it, they declare themselves as the MFing Southern uh, uh, Democratic Republicans, or something along those lines, they they chanted out, um, and I think it's when they actually fraction off, and that's when Jefferson Thomas Jefferson resigns from the cabinet and runs against um, Washington, and so that was an unusual instance, right? So that's when we actually they, they technically had party lines then, and and so it act fractioning happened. They didn't want it to happen, but it actually happened right there. So. Technically, to me, you know, I hate to sum it up in a pretty little package, but it was slavery versus 
you know, non-slavery, you know, that, that was basically where the party lines originated from. Um, but we called them something else, right? And over time, it evolved into the elephant versus the, the donkey, right? And, and it'll be interesting for us to dissect that imagery long term. But historically speaking, um, the breakdown started before the founders even died. I just think that some of them passed away before they were able to fix it. I think Washington died untimely, and I think he would have tried to solve it and kind of bring it to close and that's what they that's what it suggested anyways yeah i i can't disagree with that i mean we'd encourage anybody to present another view for us to consider but um from from what i've read i agree and and washington was concerned about the undue influence he wasn't the only one i mean there's just a lot of writing about him um, you know, some of the founders get more exposure than others. And, you know, he's, he reoccurs, especially during the early days of establishing the nation. So, but ultimately, yeah, the concern ends up being these ulterior motives creep in. Um, it's harder to debate something just based on the fact of the matter, or what the common good or benefit of something might be. Um, because there's some other order involved or conflict of interest or or whatever it might be. And anytime they see the concerns of a group overriding what is clearly the best interest of an individual, that is where some of the pitfalls creep into that, to having any sense of party or agreement. Now, like you said, it was probably, I mean, it was something they were keenly aware of. So it was a, an event or a tendency that pervaded everything that led to that moment. And I mean, it, this wasn't the first time, like the constitution we have today isn't the first version that they came together to negotiate. So I think it's what the third version or something. Um, and, and so they had well-established opinions, perspectives, positions um, that they might dig in and defend. And early on, it was all positions that were near and dear to their heart, either financially or, uh, you know, for being able to maintain some semblance of control or power, authority, aristocracy. And then over time, as they became more people of government, I suspect, there were other third perspective motives that could come into play and and groups of them would organize around that um and so just having that sense having already seen it happen maybe at a small scale um you know thinking about that because that's all they did is they just thought about like okay so what does this look like in this other perspective or what if things grow to a certain point or they'd always try and test things against history and say what might be the logical conclusion you know, of, if, of the system, if it was structured this way. Um, and so they were keenly aware of, well, we're having these problems now. Some people are willing to vote against their own interest for the sake of getting a vote later. However, the game is starting to be played. Um, they were worried about that being magnified on a, a much larger scale, like we have it today. And then the history, honestly, the history of parties is confusing 
there is no easy way to talk about it. There's no anecdote that helps. Um, the parties we have today are not the ones that have always been here, but they've shared names. The earliest divisions, you know, you, you mentioned slavery. We've always danced around that and they, they danced around it. And you had parties where maybe the ideological divide between them were federalism versus the power of states. But you had people on both sides of that that were pro and anti-slavery. So it was difficult. Um, it's difficult to trace the parties because <laughs> their, their concerns and everything change um, over time. And the names, I mean, you know, Democrats and Republicans are old names, um, but there's been a lot of other names like Whigs and, and things like that that have, that have happened when people recoalesce around a new set of ideological values or expectations. But the problem is that these systems should not have existed and, and, and we can't get down. You know, you're right that th there's been a variation. There's been a change because uh, it's living like our republic. Um, so it's, it, there's been a lot of different sides. But the origin, you know, technically, we have the luxury of being a young nation and we have a written history. So if we want to speak to it, in the technical standpoint, we, it's very clear uh, how, how partisans started, the partisan issue started is that it was the breakdown between the South and, and, the, and between the, the slave owning and the non-slave. And that's what brought the Civil War about um, as, 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 a, as a matter of issue because we never dealt with it. And that's what brought our current issue to, to head is because we still have yet to deal with slavery as uh, as it as it now affects us as a today's society. So that is a, a com that's where I believe we're going to con continue to have a committed issue. Um, but yes, the partisan system and, and where we're divided is because uh, the and the South had to protect its interests, right? It had to protect its slaves and its and its economy, and that was important to them. So um, it's important for everyone to know that you know when. And it's said in the, it's said in the, uh, again, we're going back to Hamilton for me, but um, everyone is, you know, Burr, Burr is of course seen as the villain in that story, right? He's the one that shot Alexander Hamilton, but he was just angry because of the thing we all should be angry with, which is the, we, the deal that was made and, and we weren't in the room when it happened. And that's the issue with the partisan system is that then you get a very few people in power and a deal is made behind closed doors. So the deal that's really important is, is, is Washington DC where it's situated. It's situated in the border um, to the Southern states. So it really, opens up to the southern states there and that's purposeful the capital would have been in new york most likely based on where things were trending but proximity was power right so to get to get washington dc next to the southern states was very important it was a huge political move and then for hamilton to get his banks which he kept in new york and so they say it all in the play, which is funny. You just got to, instead of dancing to it, just listen to it. Um, but he basically gets complete power because the banks 
are more powerful than a standing army, said Thomas Jefferson. Um, so in that sense, we, we, we are the banking institutions based in Wall Street were their own capital. Um, and then uh, the, they had Washington technically in the South and everyone was happy, right? Happy. Um, everyone thinks they're happy with the status quo, but appeasement doesn't work. And so then slavery came up again and slavery comes up again. And today, whether we like it or not, we're not going to talk about any propaganda tags like BLM I use as an example. Slavery is still not sorted. That's that's just what we know at Citizens Prerogative. And, and, and though they haven't said it, Citizen Do Good, I believe, would have that official statement um, for that, that slavery is still hurting us today. And people just don't want to say that, and I don't know why. We never finished Reconstruction. So we, we took our eye off the ball there. Um, and we're paying the price for it. We, we left things half, to fit, half finished. We less left the promise unfulfilled. I mean, even after 1965, it's always been a struggle. Nobody Long wants part. to do it, but can we, can we align the electoral college map to the secession? <laughs> you know, I, I like, like, do you just, who, like, can we align secession uh, you know, when during the original mm. Civil War, to unfortunately, it aligns. It, it, it's why does it align so closely to Civil War secession? Well, yeah, I think it. It'd be interesting to find a way to map it or trace it. But if you were after a while after the war, basically, it became a culture. It wasn't a location, and so the lost cause propaganda ended up being the vehicle for the most part the vehicle through which those ideas the ideals of the confederacy were passed on the the south never conceded that slavery was wrong they never conceded that they did anything wrong nothing there was never any acknowledgement that that system People still get away with today being able to say we took care of we took care of our slaves like like that that paternalistic maternalistic idea um, that sense of ownership of the over other human beings that was never denounced <laughs> that was never actually denounced and the lost cause propaganda used it it was the not denouncing that at the end of things um, gave them a seed for the future. Um, for this lost cause propaganda to say, you know, we weren't wrong. It wasn't morally wrong. We just lost the war. We lost our cause in the war, but we weren't wrong. It was just taken away from us and it's being suppressed from us. And that is that the, not the Frank conversation that citizens prerogative will try to get to right it's no longer we're not going to like so the history you know hopefully we ex explained it the current state is that the partisan politics basically slavery versus you know it's racism versus non like the old way versus the new way like make america great again again to me is a propaganda line which means that 
we have to keep pushing further into lack of progress for people. And um, you don't, you know, when you have leaders talking about putting husbands back to work and, and, you know, it just, wow, you just know that an individual is so far disconnected. And, and our struggle at Citizen Do Good is people are obsessed with categorization and it's to a sickening point. And we're working on ourselves every day. It's, and Citizen's prerogative is to break down categorization. Um, you can see how damaging it is. Um, again, I'll just talk about a public figure who went out and addressed categories. It's strange to say to people, suburban women, please. So it, to have that statement, suburban women, please, you know, as the first thing you say in a sentence, just think where that individual's mind must be and the party that is behind that individual. To categorize people, they are talking about you like you are sheep. And all the parties are doing it. I'm not just trying to say one party is bad, but one party has surely let it go to an extreme where they are so obsessed with these categories with power it's their means they see it as their means of maintaining their by getting us focused on categories right and getting us angry at each other yeah and we've done it we've done it the mask is the best example of of ism and category that we have all been divided on and i know some regions are better than others but you know, in Arizona, and again, like I said, slavery, et cetera, the Civil War, Arizona was a battleground state during the Civil War. There was, there was a battle here, and it wasn't settled, and it wasn't sure whether it's Arizona, because it was a territory, it wasn't sure whether it was going to be a slave state or it was going to be free. And in the territories, you could basically do what you wanted. So we had the Wild West out here in Arizona, and still still to this day, right? Um, my friends from the coast come in and they realize that, oh, okay, well, oh, there's people not wearing masks and they're walking right next to me and they don't even care. And I had to say, calm down, you're in a battleground state, welcome. You know, it must be, it, it, I know it's great on the coast where people get it and the culture is being developed, but here is where the culture meets the grindstone and that's that's this is um, this is America right here. The core forty percent of America, uh, you know, or gr- I mean, sorry, fifty percent or greater of America's attitudes right here, and we see it. Um, and it's a, it's it's sad. And 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 even my partner and I, we make different turns, right? Being and I'm just going. This is about current state. Being in a, a state like Arizona, which flipped, right? that it flipped and it barely flipped, you know, in the great scheme of things, it, it barely flipped. And it was, it was contentious and it was scary. And we were one of the states chanting two messages, I think at one point, stop the vote, steal the vote. And, and, you know, we had our, and that's just our citizens, you know, I'm going to take ownership and own my Arizona fellow Americans. And, you know, and, and then I still care for them, but there was partisan issues here. And now due to partisan politics, my partner and I have to decide what street we're going to walk down in this city because certain streets, the suburbs and the, the outer skirts and the, the towns, right, that come into Phoenix to stay and, and check it out as tourists, we can't go to those streets anymore because they're crawling with non-maskers. And it's just not worth it. And it was crazy. We literally walked one block the wrong way 
and 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 my partner knows me he's like you're going to be upset and i had every reason because just one wrong turn and we were suddenly in a too much of a touristy zone and frankly a republican zone people in the party that believe we need to move on with life and put everyone at risk and damn the consequences that's the message coming from that party that's where partisan has brought me. And, and, and maybe I have that unique perspective because I am in this battleground state, but to imagine that I am picking and choosing what streets I walk down based on how close it'll bring me to Republicans. I don't even know how else to explain it. Or people that like racism and people that don't, don't care that the black minorities, et cetera, those individuals are dying more often of COVID. So you don't care that that's going on. You don't care that the poor don't have the health care they need, that those neighborhoods are underserved. So your party essentially feels that way. And if, you, if it's not the party, if you're not a Republican, then that just means you feel that way. So Michael, I'll hand it to you there, raw and hot. Sure. And truth be told, if we take a step back, it's all anecdotal real on the ground examples of what i believe the founders were concerned about you have a group of people behaving against their own best interests and against the best interests of the communities they're interacting with because they don't believe the facts because they've subscribed to a version of reality that is being sold like a product by an organization that has won their loyalty. These are people who live in a country and vote in a republic that was founded under the ideals of the Enlightenment, which include science. And this organization call it what you will, Republican Party, whether it's a political organization or any other organization, it could be a media organization, is now convinced you to go against your own best interests and the, the best interests of everyone around you. Against the best interests of your nation. They have influenced your behavior, you, me, whoever. Like, we're, we're all subject to these biases, more so when we're unaware of them then when we're, you know, if we're aware of them, then we can, we have a chance. We have a chance to truly control for ourselves to be free and make a choice, make an informed choice on what course of action I want to take. So when you see those people, the danger isn't even necessarily that they're callous or hateful, but who am I to say how many of them are callous or hateful or not? But in mass, the reason why they're in mass ultimately is for many motivations, all of which have been sold to them like a product, and it's factually untrue. And it's really scary because it is the embodiment of groupthink on the ground in real time in 2020. It's controversial. Um, but I'll say it, that I think a clear example of um, groupthink and challenge, and I'm not saying they're wrong necessarily, but the gyms, um, gyms 
uh, and that industry in particular, the healthcare health club industry has, has, I think is a specific group that is putting their customers at risk and, and may put the general public at risk. But I think it's that hyper consumerism, right? Michael, like you said, you cannot lose your, like, why can, why can't you work out at home? You cannot, because you have a need to be seen on a greater level. Part of your, your validation system in your life is, is getting up, driving to a gym so you can be seen by other beautiful people and working out. Why not? Otherwise, why can't you work out at home? Or why can't you jog down your street? Well, because they already see how beautiful I am on my street. I understand. I understand you're beautiful on your street and that's not good enough. Um, but that's, you, you know, the gym. I, that's, that's all I understand. And I know, Michael, you're, you're, you're definitely more fitness focused than I am. So you can, you can provide another side. But to me, the unneeded focus, and the gym is a, is a focal point of this whole issue. <clears throat> but the gym is a place that, uh, I agree, it, it has a purpose during, during non-pandemic times when we're trying to help each other, but a place where we're touching common surfaces and we're breathing heavy when we have a respiratory illness. I just think that like, if we did the justice, I'm just gonna put my blinders on and do the justice scales real quick. Uh, it's not working. And if I, if I ask Citizen Do Good, can we make a, a, a official statement? I send that up the chain. Uh, we're not ready for that yet, but I feel like I feel like gyms might be a place where, you know, I'm just saying a good gym, you're breathing heavy and I want a good gym. And, and that, but the, the, doesn't that create more danger? Um, even with increased ventilation, et cetera, et cetera, it's the wrong perception and it's for the wrong reason. I am totally convinced you can stay beautiful at home and within your backyard and your neighborhood. Like, what's the point? American exceptionalism and overconsumption is because we're so focused on the appearance and keeping up the Joneses and taking your picture, your selfie at the gym, and that yet you still have your home and your kids are there and they're not playing in the yard, they're on advice. Um, if they're on advice, hopefully they're listening to an enlightening podcast like this. Uh, but you know, if they are, just that it's it's challenging to me that everyone's so obsessed with keeping up the image um, and what's been sold to you. Keeping up with the Kardashians is not a show; it's a product that we've all bought into. Not not me, but uh, as you can see, I'm I've got much better hair than them. Uh, so in that sense, right? The, so. Sorry, Mike, I'm going to hand it yeah, back to you. No, that's, that's fine, too. Um, it, remembering there's a lot of motivations for people to need to be in certain physical spaces. There's, you know, we, I, I always think of, um, I try to think of like people who have had addiction issues in the past and if their path to recovery or their way of being successful in recovery is going to a gym instead of a bar and they don't have the equipment at home. I, I agree with the idea that fitness as a necessity is something does not require a gym. It does not. I and, mean, and for perspective, and I want people to weigh in across the country, um, but for you may, you know, I don't know if you've seen gyms in your local area, people may be masked up appropriately 
and and doing doing the right thing you, but you, not here i don't see i it's can't imagine working out with a mask i wouldn't expect people to do it and i completely agree there is no based based on the science we have available right now about the spread of this disease and it's you know it's not any disease we've had before mm-hmm. um so you can't liken it to the flu, right? You can't, right. You, we have data. We have new data on this particular disease. We understand some of what we think its particulars are. And that tells us you cannot be in an enclosed space, you know, just sending your droplets unmitigated well, everywhere. There's no just, ventilation uh, system that can take care of that. You're not going right. to train, you're not going to replace the air in the cubic volume of air in that thing fast enough before the person next to you breathes your exhale. It's just not ever going to, it's, we don't, we're not going to design HVAC for that. A lot of gyms here have moved outside. So they're outdoors in like maybe covered or tented spaces and stuff, which makes perfect sense because that's fully ventilated. Um, But you have to have. I want to just interject really quick. A part or something. You are discounting my product. Uh, it's a. Mm. Uh, I, you're discounting the product I came up with. It's a perfect HVAC. It's endorsed by My Pillow, um, so it's perfect. <laughs> the, uh, it's just a cone, a giant cone, right? And it comes down from the roof. You pull it down. Yeah. We all see those, air, you know, air conditioner vents. You know, mm-hmm. instead of it blowing, it's gonna suck. So you just like you pull it over your head, and you, you can talk, 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 and you don't you don't have to worry. Like people are gonna. Michael, so what's more going to revolutionize the office? <laughs> Just wear a mask or <laughs> no, no, we're going to have vents, <laughs> your own vent hood. Yeah. If it's too high, you call the service department, they'll create a ticket. Uh, and so I, I just, I really like my idea. But outside of that, yeah. Um, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, honestly, this is a time. And I agree too with the idea that that's, these, these are, um, so we spend a lot of time and we're going to continue to spend a, time, a lot of time talking about freedoms. And there are times when people um, use it to describe a personal want, <laughs> right? Um, going to the gym is not a freedom. Uh, you know, right. I, sorry. I mean, especially not during a pandemic. Running's um, a freedom. Yeah. But some, some of our black you know, citizens get shot if they, they run too suspiciously. Unfortunately, we've seen that. But running's freedom. I think running is freedom. Mm-hmm. Just running for no purpose to, with no direction. Like Forrest Gump taught us one thing. And that's actually run. healthy. I mean, the interesting thing too about, you know, there's, there's a whole set of ideas about gyms and the psychology versus, you know, the actual physical results and, yeah, when it comes down to good health, at, at the end of the day, it's all about your heart. So, you know, you don't, again, you don't need a gym to develop and maintain a healthy cardiovascular system. And that helps everything because blood touches everything. <laughs> that is your, your circulatory system is, is definitely the core to your vitality and your health. Yes. Um, and so we're... the weight. I mean, really doesn't do all that much for it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say don't lift weights, yeah, but right. those are the beauty muscles. I mean, when you're, you know, you're pumping iron, your heart rate's not going to get all that high. Um, well, go volunteer. Go mm-hmm. dig a ditch. You know, we're stuck you on gyms. Be, what do we? What do we? Do, you politics. Use a muscle. 
You want to use, well, no, the gyms, the thing is, again, I challenge you. I want to talk mm-hmm. to some Democrats that feel very strongly about their gyms, um, you know, or partisan folks. Mm-hmm. Just like it, it, the gym, unfortunately, has become partisan, I believe, because there is a mechanism of our economy. So, okay, anyone so- who is following the narrative of the Republican Party of get back to normal, reopen the states, you know, let everyone die. Like that is part of the consumer driven economy trying to reopen itself. That is what all of us were zombies of seven, eight months ago. We were all zombies in this consumer driven economy where we're obsessed with buying cars and, and buying clothes and work clothes and tons and tons of consumer goods to show off to our friends and family. But now this pandemic has forced us to step back and say, do I need any of this? And the economy, which is also the Republican Party, frankly, the ones that hold all the cards, the wealthiest people in the country, the, the Republican Party, they are saying, get back to work because you're not spending enough money, you're not buying enough, you're not in your cars, you're not buying gasoline, you're not doing enough to keep us rich. Party, and that's what the founders were worried about, right, Michael? Like, they were worried that the special interests, and now, I frankly, MAGA, please come on, I wanna discuss it openly, but MAGA friends, I believe you are consumer zombies but you accidentally got stuck on the wrong gravy train. That you went for brains, but it just said trains. So you got on one and now I don't even know where they're taking you now. The Republicans have taken you and you should take it back. And we're here, I guess we're here to help unload those trains, right? We're, helped, we're trying to help get you off the brain drain train. We'll work on the saying, go ahead, Mike, it's hot again. Fire your political party, whoever it is. And, you know, and, and, and feel free to unmute yourself or, or whatever issue you might be having on your side. I can't hear you. Are you speaking to me? I can't hear I you. I was having technical issues and I was uh, blaming you. <laughs> having technical issues and I, uh, my sound failed because like, we did so much pre-meeting. The headset right, we're died. Back. We're back. We're back. I think this is a good point to break us. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Whoever your political party is, go ahead and fire them because, uh, you know, the big thing about the economy, like you said, we just need to get back. We just need, everything needs to go back to the way it was. We just, you need to go back to shopping. The businesses need to open rather than taking a step back and say, should we be so beholden to this? Like maybe this is an opportunity to do, you know, a little rethinking. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have economic activity, but how many lives is that economic activity worth? And at the end of the day, that's always been the question. I mean, if you go back to the triangle shirtwaist uh, factory fire in New York city back in 17 something or another, I don't remember when it was, but you know, this is back in the day when coal miners would be lined up and shot dead by the state for striking. Um, you know, th- this country's got a very storied history uh, for and against in workers. Um, but like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory was in New York. It was like a 10-story building. It caught fire. The exits were locked. Um, the fire ladders only went up three stories or something in the city. Uh, so there was no way, you know, for them. And uh, hundreds of women died like in this fire, in this building. Um, and it was all seamstresses. I think that's the term that they used in the day. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, so all of these tragedies, you know, these, these are all, all things we have to be careful about because those are all things that happened for the sake of the economy, but aren't things that necessarily needed to happen if we were thinking more for the sake of humanity. And history is important because um, it's still affecting us today, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know for sure exactly if I can prove it all, but we're working towards it. Um, but J.P. Morgan Chase is a major corporation today, major power, a lot of power. And this is a company that says that they have everyone's best interest. But it, historically, historically, when they've faced a strike or a picket line, uh, J.P. Morgan himself, the founder, which I imagine is your company's culture. I just, I, I just imagine you've got to pull for it. And his opinion of people that are striking, protesting, doing what's happening today with the Black Lives Matter movement, those sort of uh, things that are going on, um, his opinion, shoot them like dogs. Okay, and that's the message he gave to the city police because they have... They had that much power. So in our history as America, um, the police where they are, it was worse. At one time, the corporations could tell uh, the police to shoot citizens like dogs, and they would say, yes, sir. And so don't tell me the police don't have work to do. We've only moved the needle so far, folks. The other problem with parties is it creates a nice, seamless, easy interface for business to control elected representatives. Uh, the representatives have to fall in line behind the parties to get their funding and financing for their campaigns. And then now big business only has two people to deal with, one named Republican and one named Democrat. We'll talk about it more, but this is a, a good example of what you, you and I have taught, spoken about philosophically offline, which is a, a phallic cult or a, a fallacy cult. The, 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 mm -hmm. the parties are phallic. Oh, we're working on the wording, but they're, to me, they're phallic cults. I know that's not the word. It's, it's cults be, of fallacy. Maybe we'll do that. The yeah, work on that, but it is, it is disgusting, right? Like if you think about it, they are, they, they created this, this, this line that, and we've all bought into it, right? We're all falling right in the line, except for the libertarians. Congratulations. You made a different line, but it's, it's a, it, we're all falling into line and, and it's, it's insane that they've been able to pull it off. So frankly, oh, mystically, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's, it's not so difficult to understand, folks. Disney is a corporation that we all well, we, can agree. We needed the we, easy choice. We needed an easy choice, right? Right, but corporations do the same thing to us. But the difference mm -hmm. with the corporations is there's so much choice. There's so much choice in the corporations. They, they, they play party as well. Like there's the Disney folks. There's the Star Wars folks. There's the, these Star Trek folks, right? There's all these different, if you will, they play to the same emotions that are, that are part of the human experience where we want to be part of a tribe. But it's the parties themselves, these parties like the founders worried that have taken it and they now are selling it to the highest bidder. You know, So whoever will pay the most, then like you said, Mike, they all have to fall in line. Again, so this cult Hey, welcome to the Republican Party. Congratulations. Now you're here. You know, we, we you have to do all these things to and, and how do we break that down? We break that down by Americans not voting on party lines anymore because party lines shouldn't exist. 
and I'll just say one last thing on my rant here. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but the funding, right? The funding. Of um, Citizens United and money in politics. Like right. every dollar, every dollar spent on campaigns is a dollar wasted. That was economic activity that just went down the toilet. That's the industry we want to support. We should have, should we really have a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar campaign finance industry and it's what, what value is that returning to the american citizen and it's we don't even see the measured right mike because they unfortunately and i'm not for i don't want anyone in washington to lose your job but there is a reason the the income the mean you know income in washington dc is you want to make money extremely live, live in dc live in dc it's, funny how that happens but that's because you have a hyper issue with partisan politics and the need to be able to manage it and navigate it and the bureaucracy. And we really need to, it, our government is complicated enough with, with the layers, right? So that's why the states are supposed to have a greater share of the money, frankly, and, mm -hmm. and, and the process. Yeah. The and thank goodness right now, you know, 2020, that's where we are. Um, we are experiencing the state's process in action. Their local responsibility with the courts shutting down all improper arguments and the states themselves saying, no, 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 we have integrity. We it's around the vote counting that's going it on. It shows what Certifying. it's a case. Yeah, it's a case for, I'm frankly, you know, right, states' rights and the need for that unique balance. And I'm not saying they can secede. Okay, we've that's technically settled. No, uh, federalism, federalism, right. right? The enumerated and whatnot, and let's get just back keeping, to federalism and talking about that. Then get that out of the parties. Keep things in their own lanes. You know, there's reasons for these things. Um, but yeah, the, as far as what we can do about it, we we've got this party system, and it's not going to go away. As a matter of fact, if you know, they're very they're another self-interested set of institutions that have embedded themselves and buried themselves in like i encourage you if if you don't think that they're kind of uh trying to retain what they've built for themselves go look into what it takes to start a party if you want to start your own political party to rival the monopolies that have been established go look into that go see i mean i'm sure there maybe Maybe there's a state or two out there where it may still be something that you can do, but the parties have really done a good job working at the local level because if you look at who's in your state house and who's writing all the election laws and whatnot, it's probably a group of Republicans or Democrats, whoever's controlling, right? And so they're making sure that their parties, they've helped each other make sure that they continue their monopolies at a state level. Um, it's very difficult to get your own party. Not that, I mean, I looked into it for a heartbeat. Um, and then I said, you know, it doesn't even matter because parties are an affectation. They're a distraction anyway. And what we need to do is we need to start caucusing. We need mm -hmm. to start caucusing along the lines of, you know, what matters, what actually matters, not, right. not the party line, right? Not the, whatever the party platform is, is we actually have to take the time to understand the issues that matter most to us and come Let's, to our own informed opinion, right? We've got to make it a little more personal for people, Michael, because you made some great statements, of course, of, and you said that, you know, 
the party issues because no, no, we don't expect a lot of you to go out and try to form a party you just you're gonna have to take our word for it for it and hopefully over time you'll realize we're working to gain your trust and, and we want to gain that credibility so this is true this is all this is all true because uh, we looked at this we've been working on this project for five years so when civic sphere even uh, my sub project of the of the overall global effort um it, we were looking at being a party, right? It, but it is extremely steep. We had accountants, we had lawyers. It was not something we took lightly and we really planned it uh, a lot around it. But still, now we're trying to right size that scope and the right size of the scope is getting the voices unified. And we and we really need to to pull on that. And, and, and that's really our, our motivation here. Um, but in, in regards to the the party system, and it's here to stay, uh, you, you have to engage, you have to lean into something in, in order to, you have to understand it, right? To, to you have to know the beast, uh, to, to understand it, to destroy it. So I think that everyone who's trying to push away from it, you're, you're doing it too soon, it's too entrenched. And oh, so sorry, I was telling everyone, they're not gonna dig in, right? This is why uh, you need to be mad. Dig into this, this is easy to find out go to your state's records and find out how many dollars are shifted to these organizations, right? So a lot of you are Democrat hardcore, right? And a lot, a lot of you are, are Republicans hardcore, right? Well, aren't, are you going to be surprised when you find out that your tax dollars without your consent, without your permission, without anything you've done besides send your tax to the state government, right? The state house or whatever is sending your money to the Republican and Democratic Party to what? Pay for ads, to run their campaigns. You're actually paying for them to host a campaign in your state. Is that crazy? So you don't even agree with the Republicans and you're paying for that party that you're angry about. Watching on CNN, you're like, I can't believe that's going on. Well, guess what? Some of your personal dollars have gone there. That's a travesty. So just start there. If you're not interested in starting a party, we get it. But go personal, Americans, uh, my fellow Americans, go personal and go look at what your own state is giving these systems. And it's millions and it's millions. And you should say, why don't I have those millions? And so even if you climb that path and you get to your having a party like Michael was talking about, there's no guarantee the states are going to fund you. Okay. There's no guarantee the states are going to fund you. And let me just speak personally. In Arizona, as an independent, I have to choose a party. So I'm Democratic registered. I don't believe in them, but I am registered Democrat. Because if I don't, I can't vote in the, in the primary. How unfair is that? That my own state, and by the way, my, my state department, the state interior, um, the, the secretary of state, they have to produce the ballots, right? We're paying for this but I don't get to vote in it if I'm not a Democrat and vice versa. I don't get to vote for the Republican if I'm not, I, it, to me, it blows my mind. So it is this, it is this maze of, of work that I had no say in yet. I'm paying for it year after year with my sales tax, any property tax, all of that. So meanwhile, they cannot fund Medicare, but they can fund the Republican and democratic convention I'll hand it to you hot, Mike. 
This is well, a hot mic thing. I'll just say, um, you know, look it up for debate purposes, everybody, because I suspect that uh, they've split their dollars and, you know, they're, they're very keen theoretically about making sure that they only spend donated dollars to executing conventions and things like that. Um, but you do make a point because all the counties manage um, the votes, the voting. Uh, it's all managed at a local level. And there's a lot of vested interests that have already come to play there. And I mean, the big picture is this. There, I really, I, we, I mean, I think would challenge everybody to really come and tell us, well, what is the value returned by these political um, intermediaries, these roadblocks between us and our republic. I mean, that, that would be the perspective I would put out there. What, what value are they actually returning? Because I'll tell you, there's a huge expense. There's a huge cost. You know it. You know, it's mul- there's, there's a massive bill, a massive industry around it and, it, and it doesn't serve a purpose. It serves itself. And it keeps us distracted and divided um maybe you don't know it right maybe you don't because you've been too busy in traffic those of you that live you know i'm thinking of my family that lives uh in tracy uh you know and you would commute into Mm -hmm. san francisco from tracy that's a two-hour commute during traffic so when you're doing spending four hours in traffic every day you don't have time to research and find out how much your state is wasting on and that's purposeful that is purpose you are purposefully put into that queue that traffic you know those millions of dollars that are going to uh, that political party. They could be going to infrastructure for the roads. They could be going into uh, mass transit funding, right? So make it more appealing, more attractive. But no, instead, uh, special interests is receiving that funding. So again, it's all tied in, folks. The pandemic and the Republican Party in particular, I'm going to call them foul. It's my personal analysis that they... Uh, are, are, are the cause or they're just trying to get back to business as usual because they are part of that evil group, in my opinion, that wants us to just be drones. They don't want us to question authority. They want us, the law and order party means that you, they just want, when the police to sh- come in, you tell you shut up and you do whatever they say. Obey but the state. Not the American dream. Yeah. Authority, just give it the authority. So who's the communist? And that's what makes me shocked is a lot of people on that side in that party is throwing around the word communism, but apparently they don't get the merits of the, the, the issues with communism. communism not for them. Oh no, they stay the free people. Everyone else gets communism. We go back to the beginning. We go back to when America was great. But it's interesting because communism is most effective through propaganda and uh, it pro- properly applied and they're falling for propaganda. So it's almost like it's the tale of two cities right there. And it's, it's, it's going to be satirical. It's almost difficult for me because I am watching this unfold and I am such a history nut and I'm so passionate about it that I am almost documenting my own history in my head as I watch it. And I'm like, gosh, what are the historians even going to say? This is going to be absolutely wild. Like some mm-hmm. of this, but hopefully we don't glaze over it because we lost all the crazy stuff that was being said in the 50s during integration and during the Civil War. And, and, and maybe we haven't lost it. Um, citizen, 
citizen's prerogative is going to be about finding that info for you, you know, trying to help you find that detail. And, and when we talk about this stuff, when we hear that you're interested, like, hey, you should have gone deeper, we may not do an episode. But if you give your opinion, um, the team will create blogs and will dive in. Tell us, hey, you should have dived into topic ABC. And you'll see a blog created and we welcome you to join the conversation. Um, and just as a heads up, uh, since we're on it, any of you that think you have uh, an opinion to, to, to add, uh, we want to hear from you. So please join us by subscribing. It's the best way for us to know you're interested in talking to us. Um, we want to talk to everybody in the United States. That's my goal. Our fact checker says you cannot do it. He says we, or they, I should say, they say they that we cannot talk or interview every American in, in the country uh, or every citizen, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if we want to checkbox it. I'm trying to work on that, but I think we can. We can certainly try. And this is, this is the beginning. This is our start. So um, for subscribing, head over to citizendogood.com and uh, access the join link. You will want to subscribe to our newsletter uh, so you can stay up to date. And through the act of subscribing to our newsletter, you will be on our radar. So as we're looking for topics and guests and things of that nature, um, you know, we'd be reaching out to that community uh, to come join us and, and lend your voice to citizens of the Republic. So with that, um, we're probably getting close to the end of this episode. Actually, we are. And, you know, the, I think the big message, just to encapsulate it all, is uh, don't blindly follow your parties. We waste too much money on politics. Really, as citizens, we should be bringing ourselves up to speed and making sure we understand how, um, what the things are that we care about and actually start voting in the direction of individuals, of people who are expressing uh, alternatives to the power structures that exist today. So I think we'll be zooming in on a little bit more of that because it ends up being the solutions focus. So, you know, trying to think more independently, becoming an independent thinker, a free thinker, um, do your own analysis and come to your own conclusions. And at the end of the day, I think the best way for us to fight parties because they're so entrenched is simply to identify, you know, those individuals we would caucus with, which are the people, regardless of party, we have something in common to agree on. There is a course of action or a set of laws that we think are right and should be passed. And we're going to work on that. And, and it doesn't matter what your party is, um, or your religion or whatever, you know, we, we can, we should always be able to find common ground in order to move the Republic forward. As we continue to navigate this, we invite you to join the conversation with us. Uh, we will continue to dive deeper into these topics. Uh, we ask you to consider where do you fit in the greater conversation? Uh, this here is the great forum of thought philosophy. There's no such thing as a bad uh, thought or idea or fact. Uh, what we don't do is deal with propaganda. Think about where you fit in this group think methodology. Are you the instigator? Are you 
a participator? Are you just there to observe? Are you the exacerbator? Do you actually push on the issues? Uh, we actually need so many different roles to drive our republic. I feel like in some ways uh, we are going to be the investigators. I, I, we're all the victim in regards to this group <laughs> thought mentality we mentioned. Yeah. We're all the victim. But now um, I think that I want to be the instigator for sure, uh, who pushes on group thought and says, let's think about it differently or let me push it really, really far. And I think Michael used to be an avoider in group thought, but I think now he's becoming more of, I'm going to say he's more of a part a participator because he's owning it and he now leads uh, one of our parent our parent our sponsor companies right so i'd say he's changing but again this is all for fluid thought um, but i'm asking everyone to move out of the victim mentality and become a collaborator citizens prerogative is the great collaborator um, but to, for that to happen you've got to have an instigator i think like myself um, but we'll have a team of investigators. We'll have a team of collaborators. Um, we're really going to try to build this out so that we can harness group think for good. Unlike the other corporations, which are utilizing it for bad, we're just going to try to be the good witch, not the bad witch. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. We want you to learn about all of it, you know. You may want to occupy, wear different hats in different times for different reasons, but uh, if you don't know what hats are out there, I don't know how you're going to wear them. So thanks for joining us on the journey. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendogood.com and click on Citizens Prerogative. While you're there, register to log in and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong, Jr., Thank you. I'm sorry. And thank you, uh, Mr. Piscatelli. <laughs> this has truly been technically challenging and maybe verbally askew. <laughs> sorry. It's been something. That's for sure. I can't believe I snored in all your ears. Thank you, listeners. We always save the best for last, and we'd give you a hug if we could. Uh, you are the best you have been for years. Thank you for your support. And we know it's painful, and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzland Studios, Inc. 